every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this, the 39th episode of the Made for Missions podcast. And I am Mike Falkenstein here again with Ken Watmore. And Ken, as you know... I've been in the process of taking our, our China Resource Center ministry, and we're actually changing the name of the organization to 1-8 Catalyst, and right. I know in a previous episode we talked quite a bit about that, but we have kind of another, you know, July 1st is when we want to make kind of the official transition between the two names, so I've been working on the website, the 1-8 Catalyst website, and so... Uh-huh. Just some exciting news that the what we're calling sort of the phase two of the website is now finished. And so you can now go to 18catalyst.org. And we want to add some other features, but it's now a very functional website. And we're kind of ready, that part of it anyway, to, you know, for the July 1st launch. So... I think that's awesome. And it's the words one eight. Yeah, that's right. The one, yeah, one eight is actually spelled out. So, you know, what I would just ask if you don't mind, Mike, and I know we have an interview to get to here. Yeah. I do want to ask you if you can kind of go back over what the name again, coming up with one eight catalyst out of China Resource Center. Just tell everybody what that's about. Yeah. Well, the, you know, this sort of this mobilizing Christians towards the Great Commission was just something that God just so completely impressed on my heart. And so the, I think we really struck a chord with the name because, or the, or the name struck a chord with us because, mm-hmm. you know, Acts 1-8 mm-hmm. tells us to, Jesus tells us to be his witnesses in our local area, our, our state, our country and around the world. And so obviously, you know, we're, as we're, as we're trying to help people to go from, well, maybe they're not seeing great commission fulfillment in their lives to doing that. That's the, then that's the catalyst part, you know, a catalyst is sort of a, an organization or a person that sort of creates change or helps mm-hmm. change. So, yeah. So I think it really kind of strikes a good chord for us. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. So anyway, so folks, please uh, visit the website. We'd love to have you give our, give your comments about it. And yeah, we're, we're kind of cranking along towards this July 1st deadline. So Anyway, Ken, so we have Steve Shermer, who's the president of Silk Road Catalyst, one of the three organizations that's doing this missions blab that we're doing, and uh, which is the online conversation piece, and we run these seminars, and so he's become, I've never met him personally, but he's becoming a good friend really over the internet, really, and over the phone, and so I asked him the made for missions three questions, and so... Let's do this. Let's get into the interview. And then just before the break, we can make a couple of comments about his answers to our questions. And we'll go from there. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this latest episode of the Made for Missions podcast. And I'm very happy to have another interview episode with one of the guys who, you know, the last uh, interview episode, you all heard me talk about David Joannis. And David is a part of this Missions Lab, which is a online sort of a conversation piece. And my next guest I have on just now uh, Steve Shermer is kind of the third piece of this missions blab. And so, Steve, I'm really glad it worked out for you to be on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Mike, for inviting me. This is, I've been listening to some of them, and they are, your podcasts are actually very interesting and informative. Oh, good. Yeah, that's great. So, I know that you would love to give folks who are listening a little introduction to you and what you're doing. You direct a ministry called Silk Road Catalyst. Why don't you take just a, a couple of minutes and just tell folks kind of what is Silk Road Catalyst, what you guys do, and yeah, give them a little introduction. Yeah, so, you know, so the best way I can describe Silk Road Catalyst, which I started about two and a half years ago, right after we came or moved back to the States from living in China is the way I describe it is that we're a multinational family. So we're, we're a multinational family of disciple makers from different countries. And currently we've got people associated with SRC from here in the U.S., but also in India. Mm. And we're even working on growing that into other countries where we work as, as not so much, I mean, yes, we are a missions organization, but we like to look at ourselves as a family. We're just a big global family. That's awesome. Working together as disciple makers, because I believe we're not really, I wouldn't call us a church planting ministry. I call us a disciple making ministry in that okay. disciple making. There's a, there's a pastor in South Carolina. He's actually from the UK, but he lives in my state and he has okay. a statement. His name is Mike Breen. And he has a statement that says, you can plan a church and not necessarily make disciples, but if you make disciples, you'll always plan a church. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so we, we focus on going from the vantage point of disciple-making that leads toward church planning because I'm not concerned about how many churches we plant as much as I am about the, how many disciples we make in the end. And so oh, okay. we focus on disciple-making among the unreached or least reached because these are the people with the, you know, comparatively speaking, the biggest need for access to the gospel on mm -hmm. the Silk Road, because this is the region where the most unreached peoples live. And then okay. uh, we do it through what I call a presence of legitimacy. So it's not so much what the governments of these countries allow us to go into as in terms of our visas or things like that. It's it's more about the local people and how they view us. Do they view us as legitimate mm -hmm. and why we're there? Or do they view us as illegitimate? There's tons of examples I can give of, of both, of missionaries losing their credibility with Muslim elders or Hindu elders or things like that, simply because they were in there either on a fake platform or, or they just weren't oh, right. viewed as legitimate in their eyes, so they lost their ministry. Mm. And so we look at That's cool. going in through a presence of legitimacy, which will look different for me versus maybe a Chinese serving in China. There, That's right. There would be a difference there in what our legitimate presence will look like. So that's just a little bit about us and kind of what we do. Again, our, our geographically speaking, we, we focus on the Silk Road, which is in essence Asia and the Middle East. And, and that's, that's, that's right. where my heart is. That's where I first went on my first international mission trip. I mean, that's everything significant other than meeting my wife in London was happened on the Silk Road for me. Oh, wow. Oh, so it, it, it holds a lot of deep meaning then. It really does. Mm. 
That's really great. That's really great. Yeah, that's that's great because that is a very yeah, strategic part of the world, right? And has been for thousands of years, literally. So that's 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 really great. Well, Steve, as you know, on our podcast interviews, we like to ask the same three questions of each person that comes on. Again, the idea here is that we're having the opportunity to get a variety of answers to the same questions, which hopefully then leads us to a very broad or very uh, full, I should say that, very full answer to these questions, which is what, you know, what we want to be able to answer. So if you're ready, let's go through these three questions. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's um, go. All right, great. Well, thanks for thanks for answering them for us. So the first question that we always love to ask is, given the passages of Scripture that, uh, that address the Great Commission, do you believe that the Great Commission is a command that Jesus gives to all Christians? Yeah, so I have probably answered this question a hundred times like you have, you know, based mm -hmm. on what we what we believe. And, and generally, I've always said, yes, it is. For some reason today, when I was thinking about the question, I just started saying, well, why do I think that? And, mm. and really, because, you know, I could go there and I could say, well, no, Jesus was talking to a specific group of people and I wasn't physically there. So why does it apply to me? Right. Uh, rather than just those few people. And so the thought that came to my mind today was, well, throughout, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even the beginning parts of Acts before Jesus ascends back into heaven with the Father. I mean, he, he goes through and he's listing, you know, he's talking about all these things that either should be expected of people that follow him. Especially, I love John chapter 15, when he's talking to his disciples up in the upper room, or chapter 14, Luke chapter 8, 9, and 10, which is another credible thing of just things he did with various people who followed him. Some legitimate, some were just there for the joy ride, some, you know, eventually left him in the end. But when you go through all of these things and all the conversations Jesus had with people, you find that he's always giving, you know, in essence, a command to um, the greatest command, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second greatest command is to love others as we love ourselves, mm -hmm. loving our enemies. You know, there's, you could, we could probably all, if we sat down and thought about, could come up with dozens and dozens of things that Jesus said. So yes. in light of all that, we would all, for the most part, say, yes, Jesus was speaking to his people back then. And that applies to us, you know. The greatest commandment, mm -hmm. the second greatest commandment, loving our enemies, just as three examples. We would all agree, I would think, in the church that Jesus, even though he, I wasn't physically there, he was still talking to me. So if that is the case all through Scripture, it didn't stop all of a sudden with the Great Commission that all of a sudden he's only talking to his original disciples. Oh, right. That's right. So it has yeah, the only right. conclusion for me is if all the rest of it applies to me, this also has to apply to me. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. You can't pick and choose which of the commands we see Jesus giving us, which ones we obey and which ones we don't. Right. They're either all for us or they're none for us. Exactly. Well, that's great. That's great. And then, so after we, you know, we talk about that, then the second question I think is a good follow up because, you know, it does talk about, you know, again, our personal responsibility as Christians. So the, the second question we have in our made for missions three, three questions is furthermore, what is the follower of Jesus's responsibility in knowing about the Great Commission 
and his or her responsibility to obey it, especially given passages like John fourteen fifteen, which if you remember, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You know, I was looking at that and, and reading through that verse, and I, I, I went up just a few verses ahead to verse 12 in chapter mm-hmm. 14, where it says, just the last part, it says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So, you know, it, it, I think it's just kind of one of those one of those things. You know, when we're, it, it, I think most people in the pews would say, that, yeah, if we love God, we'll obey his commands. I mean, we say it with our mouths. Do we follow right. up with our you know, hands and feet? It's a different story. And I think we'd all agree with that. I don't really know anyone who would disagree with it. Um, maybe they exist out there. But, but when I go up to verse 12, and it says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. I mean, it's just really, I mean, I don't oh, right. know how more simple it can be. I mean... If, if we are, if we really believe what we're saying, it's kind of like, sort of like the phrase, put your money where your mouth is, kind of like if you're going to yeah. say it, but why don't you prove it with your pocketbook kind of mentality. Um, right. And so I think it's, you know, it, it, it is our responsibility. It's important, but it's also, it's also clear that if we do believe actually what we're saying, I mean, we're going to follow through. Sure, there's going to be hiccups along the way, and there's going to be periods where we slip and fall, and then we have to repent of those moments, and, and, and God picks us back up, and we keep moving forward. But it is our responsibility. I mean, it's we're, we just can't, you know, we can't just say that I am for something and then ignore it. I mean, it just, I guess, I, I don't know how to make it more simple than just what Jesus said. Right. I mean, no, that's exactly right. I'm just, but course, I'm a simpleton, a, so. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I think you've got it just right because, you know, of course, that's the, the tension in some ways, right? That it seems like there are a lot of Christians who, you know, maybe are Christians in name only, not by their actions, mm-hmm. right? But And so that's, I think, a big part of kind of where I've come in this whole thing is, boy, as you read through the scripture in this, it just is. Yeah. I mean, if, if Jesus obeys us to do something and our obedience shows our love or the lack thereof of him, that's really where the rubber meets the road, right? And then I've had other folks who've said, well, what about the, the, the young mom that has four kids and she's just so swamped and with just kids and how in the world is she going to go and make disciples of all nations? And, you know, and I think there's a lot of things that in each of our stages of life we can do to obey that command. You don't have to be actively overseas as we've, as I've said many times, you know, you make disciples on your street. You don't even have to go on a plane. You know, there's nothing magic about a plane ticket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, get to know a neighbor, you know, begin discipling some younger people in your church or, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity, right? So, yeah, I think I think you've really hit it on the, the nail on the head. So, yeah, and you know, there's and I there there may be more, but I know of two specific verses: one in John thirteen thirty five, and then John fifteen eight. Just kind of on the both ends of this, you know, John fourteen, and and both of them give examples of a command that Jesus gives and ends in a way saying, and this is how you prove you're my disciple. Oh, right. 
And so if yeah. you if you love one another just as if I have you loved love you, me, you will. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's right. like you are proving that you're my disciple. If you bear much fruit, you prove to be my disciple. I mean, that's two places. And this is Jesus talking to the 11 disciples when Judas has already exited the scene in the upper room. I mean, he's already gone to do his his betrayal or to start that process. So he's showing them these are commands. And if you are my disciple, then this is how you prove it. So it doesn't ever say you oh. prove it by your mm-hmm. mouth or your words. You, you prove it more oh, right. by your actions. <laughs> that's right. That's great. Well, Ken, the uh, first half of the interview is going well in that it's, you know, it's, it's, it was interesting to me that Steve went to a place that a lot of people go to, which is, you know, the, as it relates to the obedience of the Great Commission, there have been a number of people that have said, well, I wasn't there when Jesus gave the commands. And so therefore they're not for me. But again, as Steve and I discussed, and as you and I have discussed, Ken, you either take all of what the New Testament says, in particular, all of the commands, all of the promises that Jesus gives us, or you take none of them, right? Yeah, I agree. And I actually think that that's interesting because I've heard other, you know, I've heard pastors in the past say, well, even in the Old Testament, right, that that wasn't for me. It was spoken to a different person, which I think is correct in so many cases, right? It was spoken to or for a different person, people group, etc. However, how many times do we go back to Jeremiah 33.3 and, you know, God that's says, right. call to me and I will show you great and mighty things. I mean, how... That's, we, I would say that that applies to me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I know it was not spoken to me at that time, but I think it's applicable to me. Otherwise, God wouldn't have kept that part of the Old Testament around yeah, for so that's long right. for me to read, right? That's right. So I think that all those examples are also applicable to us as the church body. And I think that certainly in the New Testament, we see that. I do think that's it's right. spoken to us. That's why it's preserved for us. That's why it's <laughs> God's living word. It's applicable every day, all day. Yeah, that's right. And of course, I'm sure there's a much bigger theological sort of concept here that neither you and I understand, but really I go back to, well, either the Bible is the inspired word of God or it isn't. That's right. right. I mean, the, the God would not have allowed those commands to be preserved in the New Testament if it was not meant for us, That's I right. think. Yeah. So anyway, so let's take a little break. Uh, the interview's going super well. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we'll be uh, back just after the break. Hi, I'm Tom Moeller. There may be many of you who are confused about China and the most effective ways of Christian engagement. Mike Falkenstein has written this book for you. There is much confusion and many questions persist about China. Does persecution exist? Can Christians in China worship freely? Is it still necessary to smuggle Bibles? Being outside of China, how can I most effectively pray for and engage in God's work in China? Are China's unregistered churches able to worship freely? Many people are confused by these questions and issues. China is like a huge puzzle with many pieces and moving parts. It's hard to identify all that's happening today in China. In his book, The Chinese Puzzle, Mike gives you the other pieces for a much clearer picture of China and her church. To get your copy today, contact Mike at mike at chinaresourcecenter.org for pricing and shipping options. Contact Mike today. 
Well, Ken, in this second part of the interview, you know, we actually in the first part got through questions one and two. And then the third question, of course, we ask is more the practical. You know, we ask people to give some practical tips and as it relates to people being involved, you know, first steps for people to be involved in the Great Commission. So let's hear what uh, Steve has to say. I think he does a great job. And we'll be back just after the end. Then we've got the final question for you, which is, you know, we're always trying to we're always trying to help people sort of find practical ways that they can be involved in Great Commission work. And so the 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 third question is finally for the average Joe or Jane Christian, what are the top ways you would suggest for him or her to see Great Great Commission fulfillment in their lives? And so through your years, have you found just some some practical ways that you that you often suggest for folks to and maybe even first steps on kind of ways they can begin to find Great Commission fulfillment in their lives. I, I, there's three questions that came up as I was thinking about that. But I wanted to, um, you know, the whole statement that often is said is we pray and then we give or go, which is I've heard probably, you know, a hundred gazillion times, if that's even a number um, in the oh. church, as I've, I've said, right. so this is now, okay, we're all called to pray, but then are we called to, you know, then it's give or go. So if we give, we're supporting others who go. If we go, then others are supporting us to go. Mm. But I actually don't like that statement. I like, oh, okay. I like to say, okay, we're all pro- called to pray. I don't think any of us would deny that. That's a very practical thing to do. That's right. And it, it's something that we should be doing all the time. I mean, pray without ceasing and, you know, just a number of verses in the Bible speak to that. So we can just set that aside and assume that is number one, the first practical thing we can do. Even the single mom that you're talking about, that can't hop on a plane and go to the ends of the earth. The other practical way is giving. And I say that because I don't even give missionaries the excuse of not giving just because they might be the one receiving from others. I believe every missionary should be giving. And specifically, I would encourage missionaries not just to give to their home church or their church on the field, but to give to another missionary on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and invest in those things. So even the the single mom with kids, even if it's a dollar a month, they can give a dollar a month or something just in a very practical, tangible way to get behind them. So I, I would say those two things everyone should be doing. In my opinion, that's right. Instead of saying the word go, because it has the connotation of I've got to either go long term or on a short term mission trip. I use I like to use the word involved, get involved. Mm. So we pray, we give and we get involved all three simultaneously. And that's kind of where I think most of us have to sit back and think. And so the three questions I came up with was just to help people process is number one, what are your skills? You know, first look at what you're good at, because almost every skill I've come across, and I really haven't come across one that you can't use, can be used to advance That's right. the gospel, the Great Commission. Right. It can be used in one form or another. So there's, I like to talk about the prophet Jeremiah and King David. You have the so-called ministry vocational thing with Jeremiah being a prophet. And then you have the secular guy with David being the king. And so God equipped them with skills to be the man God created them to be in those in those vocations. And so, you know, we start with our skills. The second question I came up with was, what is your vocation? I mean, that kind of spins off the first one. You know, here in the upstate of South Carolina, 
there's a new work to receive refugees from the United Nations mm. that come into the U.S. World Relief is here to welcome those refugees. And then they're, you know, they did a lot of mobilization in the upstate to mobilize churches and, and people to get involved with ministering to them. Uh, one of the ways, uh, one of the groups that did that was this private family medical office or medical practice. Oh. And so what they are offering, uh, the doctors of this practice are all believers. So as part of their role awesome. is they're providing free medical care to these refugees who don't have anything. Wow. And they're, they're offering all the things that the state and the government requires that they have to go through medically speaking. They're offering to do that in their office. And, and, and granted, you know, they're getting, I guess, paid through like a Medicaid type system, but it's, that's like pennies to what they would normally get from clients or patients. But they're willing to, to give up their time and their resources to help them. And so it's just a, a practical way they're doing it locally. And, and there's many other ways people even in the real estate business could do something like that of helping someone find housing and cars and mechanics. I mean, you name That's it. Right. There's a lot of things people could do here around here with the refugee work. So. You know, we could look at our vocations. And then it really it, it comes down to where we live, which was the third question. You know, every local area is different. So, you know, looking around, of course, I'm not talking about in this scenario, I'm not thinking about looking at the people directly connected to us and our jobs and things. I think we should all be naturally thinking that way anyways. Uh, I know some people aren't, but I'm just going to, I'm just prefacing it with that. I know we should be looking around those areas, our neighborhoods and things. But even in locally, you know, in my community, there's a huge Laotian community, a growing community from India and wow. Cambodia. And so, you know, there's not a lot of outreach to these communities here in the, what I call the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And so oh, right. all I have to do is open my eyes and I, I don't, I mean, people like me are called. We thrive in places like the Silk Road geographically. I thrive more there than I do here in ministry. That's just how God designed <laughs> me. But not everyone's going to go right. over there. So we just have to open our That's eyes right. and look in our community. And I'm sure Denver and Dallas and all these other places have even much larger foreign communities than, than I have access to. But That's right. there's all kinds of people around us. And they, you know, if you want to have an impact on specifically on, let's say, the the Silk Road or the 1040 window, it's so easy to do it here in the States. We just have to look up and see who's here and 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 find ways to engage them. And, and a lot of those ways could be done through our vocations like these doctors are doing um, or just through skills. Like, And being an American, one skill we all have is we speak English. <laughs> That's right. And so that is a skill we can use to connect with them, be part of English clubs or English programs that teach English to these foreigners coming in. And we don't have to have any other skill. That is all we need. And just a heart for the Lord to be able to go in and connect with them. Mm, that is really great because you're exactly right that, you know, in, a, in I would say probably not every community in America, but, all, you know, many, many communities in America, there are people who are from other places who could use your yeah, things that you have to offer. And uh, boy, what a, you know, I always talk about international student ministry as a mm -hmm. great first step, right? That, boy, there are there are universities that that we have that, you know, that uh, have uh, students from around the world and these college students are, I mean, they're trying to discover life and trying to figure out life anyway. And so just by befriending them. So 
Yeah, that I really appreciate that. I think that's I think that's good. So, well, Steve, give folks an idea of if they want to find out more about Silk Road Catalyst and what you guys are doing and uh, ways they can get in touch with you. Give them some uh, kind of some touch points on how they can find out more about what you're doing. So the best point of contact uh, to connect with us or learn is through our website at okay. silkroadcatalyst.com. And that has, you know, information about who we are, who are, what our opportunities exist. In fact, we're in the process of recruiting for uh, a group of people to head over to China in October okay. to, uh, to work with students uh, with one of our partners. So that's, that's the closest or soonest opportunity we have from now. And so we've got opportunities like that. We've got one in India coming up and, and, and we also have opportunities for, for longer term, whether it be, you know, six months, a year or, or even longer than that uh, to be able okay. to, to serve on that side. So uh, that was the best point. Of course, there's following us on Facebook. Just again, our name, Silk Road Catalyst is our, our, our Facebook ID. And then, of course, on Twitter. At, but Twitter is SR Catalyst because they just don't want to give us enough characters to put our full name on there yet. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, there is a limit, isn't there? There is. That's right. so it would be like Silk Road Cat. <laughs> now, I do want to warn if you just, you know, some people just think of Silk Road that they forget the word catalyst. So if you go to silkroad.com, you're going to end up on a black market website. And, oh and you, goodness! Yeah, you don't, don't want, want to, to find that. yourself on there because you don't want someone to come knocking on your door with a badge later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've tracked they've tracked your activity and they've found out what you've been up to. So exactly. Well, well, Steve, thanks so much for your time. We sure are excited about what you guys are doing with Silk Road Catalyst, and we'll look forward to maybe even yeah, we'd love to have you back on the podcast uh, here in the future. Sure, I appreciate you asking me. Well, Ken, the interview went super well, I think. And, you know, it's always great to introduce the friends who are listening to the podcast to a another organization that's doing some uh, great work. And, you know, Ken, on, uh, as it relates to sort of last thoughts for me, I look at the or I listen to the whole interview that uh, Steve and I did and, you know, Steve mentions a number of times in the New Testament, in particular in the book of John, that Jesus either says, he's got kind of this sentence structure where he says, do X, Y, and Z, and that's how we find out, or that's how you show that you love me, right? There's a number of times. And in one of the questions, of course, we ask, you know, given the command in John 14, 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Um, you know, what is, the, what is the Christian's responsibility to know about the Great Commission and to obey it? And as uh, Steve mentions, there's a number of times, and so just before we were, uh, before we got together to record, you know, there's a number of times that he says this in that same chapter in uh, John 14, John 14, 21, of course, a verse that many of us have memorized. Jesus says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then later in John 15, you know, that's the beginning of John 15 is where we have the abide in me and I in you. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he will be thrown away like a branch. And he goes on, Jesus says, by this, my Father is glorified 
meaning by, by this, meaning when we abide in him, and he says that you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Mm-hmm. And boy, I just think, Ken, I don't know what you think, but as I'm talking about this concept more and more with people, I think we're just, we're, we're it's like a huge, like, you know, oil reserve that we're sitting under. We're just kind of tapping on the ground. And boy, mm-hmm. when that thing breaks, I mean, we're, we're onto something really big here because again, Jesus even says, a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And you can kind of know your fruit. And in other words, you can see your relationship with Jesus by looking at a person's fruit. Mm-hmm. And if many people are not finding Great Commission fulfillment in their lives, yeah, we don't have time to talk about this for long, but uh, what does that say about really where they're at with the Lord, right? That's right. That's so true. Convicting. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So anyway, so we uh, we look forward to uh, to getting into that maybe a little bit more. But So I want to thank Steve Shermer with Silk Road Catalyst. Please visit his website, as he mentioned, and he's active uh, Twitter user as well. And so, Steve, thanks for being on the show, and uh, we want to thank all of you for joining us for this latest episode of the Main for Missions podcast.